That's an amazing couple. If you guys haven't noticed, we are, um, the next three weeks, we're in a series called Activate. And so if you have your insert, you can begin to pull that out. But last week, what Activate is, is we're going to activate in three ways. We're going to activate one in our personal mission. And that's what we did uh, last week where we tried to stir people up and realize that we were put on this earth for a purpose and a divine mission. Amen? Anybody out there? Amen? Praise the Lord. And then today we're going to look at the church and its mission. And then next week, I'm really excited. What we're trying to do is we're trying to show you who our global missionaries are. So you saw one last week, you saw one today, and we're going to continue to show you the people uh, that we have as global missionaries. But yet, next week, we're also going to begin to tell you about what Church on the Rock is doing in reaching out in our community and what we're doing in church planning, what we're doing in church revitalization. I think you'll be real surprised and glad to be a part of something that God's doing in the end times. How many want to be a part of something that's making a difference? Anybody want to be a part of something that's making a a difference? I don't want to watch a miracle. I want to become a part of a miracle. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, as we go forward today and we look at the value of church and why church and what is the mission of the church, Lord, we pray that our hearts will be energized, that our spirits would be open and our minds would receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to start by saying what is the value of church? I'm talking about church, We're being in church today. What is the value of church? And then I want to say what value do you put on church? And I always say, um, some churches will be like, man, we're into evangelism. We want to win the world for Jesus and everything. You know, I can go up to a church that's saying that, and I can say, can I see your um, financial books? And I'll look at the financial books, and you'll look at the financial books, and there's no money going towards missions. There's no, so you can tell, you can tell what people value because resource will go to it. Time will go to it. And the other thing that will go to it is there will be something in you that you need to learn about it. You're just consumed with it. You want more of it. So value, if you really value something, you put time towards it. You put resource towards it. And you put, there's something in you where i got to have more of it. Amen? But the church was created by God. We need to realize that. Why church? What's the value church? It was created by God. It was founded by Jesus Christ and it was energized or declared alive by the breath of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit came when Christ ascended. The Holy Spirit came and energized the church. The word church comes up in Matthew 16. That is the first time the word church starts. And then the word church was birthed in Acts chapter 2 where the church happened. And that's why I said that the church is energized by the Holy Spirit. Christ loved the church, and he wants us to love the church like he did. He, he referred to the church as the bride of Christ. How many have heard the church referred to as the bride of Christ? How many have heard the church referred to as the body of Christ? So he, he referred to it in that same way. Imagine this. I can't imagine saying, Jesus, I love you, but I don't like your wife. Can you imagine that? If, if the church is the bride of Christ, and you say, well, I love Jesus... I don't know about the church. Well, that's what he called his wife. Or, hey, hey guys, how, many, how well would this go with you if you say, Honey, I love you, but I'm not too fond of your body. How many would say, Ooh, I probably wouldn't want to go there. Is anybody awake today? Hello? 
Hello? Amen. I love you, but your body, I don't know if I like it. Well, that's what we're saying because Christ calls the church the body. You can't say I love Jesus and say I don't like his body. So the church is his body. I love your body, honey, just by the way. And the scripture says, love your spiritual body. We are called to belong. We're not called to just believe. We're called to belong to something. I believe that we were created for community. We were fashioned for fellowship. We were formed for family. And none of us, everybody say none of us. None of us can fulfill our life purpose without others. Look around and others around you. That's how we fulfill it. Every perfect environment that God had, even every perfect environment, think about the Garden of Eden. How many say that is a perfect environment? You know, that's the only time that God said something wasn't good. Everything he created, he said, it's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. But when he created man, he said, ooh, that's not good. Because man was, hey, you put a man in a garden with a bunch of animals... You got problems. Ladies, think about your life without, think about a man's life without you, ladies. That's your time for a woohoo. How well do you do? How well does that man do? Even in the garden, he said, it's not good that a man be alone. God does not call us to go at it alone. He put the church together. You know, uh, in the Bible, there's so many re references to the church like this. The church has references like this. The church is put together. Joined together, built together, members together, heirs together, fitted together, held together, and eventually, how many know we're going to be caught up in the air to meet the Lord Jesus together? Can anybody give the Lord a hand clap? How many's looking for that time? Amen. The Bible says that you are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household. You belong in God's household with every other Christian. So we see here that the church is a family, and God expects us to have membership, to be a member. Everybody say member. To be a member of a church family. A Christian without a church is an orphan. You know, in, in advancement, I was talking to Brian yesterday about this. We were hanging out, and I was talking to him about this. But with advancement of technology... It's made it where you can attend church every week and don't even go through a physical door. You don't even have to, people are like, well, I don't even have to go, I don't need church. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to be in a church physically anymore. Because we can go, by, go to church just by listening, there's sermons and videos out there. And we can be walking the dog or, or exercising at the gym or, or working, working outside or something. And you'll be like, eh, I don't need church. I'm getting it like this. Now listen to me, don't take me wrong. God is using the internet for his good purposes. I believe that. And we should be too. In fact, I'm trying to grow in social media. I'm trying to grow in those aspects because that's the new wave of evangelism. That's the way it's done. Online ministry, it can reach, it can reach through social medias. It helps hurting people. How many have been helped listen to a podcast? How many this week have looked at a YouTube? How many this week have, have looked up something on the internet? And it's helped you. It's helped you. It's, it, it's, it's strengthened you. Uh, I was going through something the other day, and somebody sent me a, a YouTube, and, and, and it blew my mind how this YouTube was the exact word that I needed. Amen? And, and I prayed, and I did exactly what that said, and that was great. 
While there, guys, there are unique advantages. There's unique advantages to online ministry, and it's important for Christians to, to find that. But more than that, we can't just have that. I believe that there needs to be a commitment to the local church. Why should it matter? Why should it matter where and how you're talking in God's truth? What's wrong with virtual-based, web-based congregations? What's wrong with a digital-age church? Why can't I have my iPod for my worship leader? Why can't I grab my tablet and let that be my pastor? Why can't I let Instagram be my friends and fellowship and my accountability? I think the answer is simple. It's not the way God set it up. I mean, sometimes we don't need some fancy answers. I think it's wonderful, and I think it's something that we need to participate in, and it's something that's beautiful, and, and there's great advantage to it. But the local church, the local church is the active extension of Christ's love with boots on the ground. It's people to people that we can reach, that we can touch, that we can inspire, that we can comfort through technology. But it can't completely fulfill the love and be loved that every person can have. We need the local church. New Testament repeatedly emphasizes the importance of the local assembly. Paul would establish churches in cities and he would preach and then he'd command everybody. He would command people, hey, this church we set up, be here every week. Be here every week, and while I'm gone, he would even tell Timothy, while I'm gone, read these scriptures and do this teaching and bring this admonishing forward. But Paul, he would make these bodies, but he'd say, man, it's important. Again, what do we value? What is the value we place on church? If there's value, there'll be time put into it. If there's value, your resources, let me see your checkbook. You, you give to what you have value in. I love the church. If, 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 if we really value God and value his church, we, we, we want more of it. We treasure it. we got to have more. It's, it's, it's like an addiction. I need more. But Paul said in Hebrews 10 verse 24, it said, Let us consider how we may, I want you to say this together, spur one another. Say that with me. Let us consider how we can Say it again. Towards love, that means spur, like you're hitting a, a horse on the side. Spur people to love and to good deeds. Spur people. Say, hey, Bri, we hung out yesterday. I'll see you in church tomorrow. Why well, am not going to church? Huh? What do you mean you're not going to church? Uh, you know what? Larry, you told me something this week that hit me. Larry, Larry and Gail who are solid people. He said, me and Gail made up our minds. How many years ago, Larry? That, that, that your time was going to be the Lord's, that, that you, did, you weren't going to wake up every Sunday and say, am I going to church or not? And you weren't going to decide if you were going to give or not. You made that decision, and you didn't remake it every week. Brothers and sisters, I, I'm not trying to be mean, but we need to make a decision. And we need to hold firm to our decisions. Because the scripture says, to me, people that say they don't need church are either arrogant or they're ignorant. I don't mean that bad. I'm ignorant. Often. Just ask my wife. 
I'm ignorant often. I'm ignorant a whole lot. I'm probably ignorant by saying that statement because everybody's going to get mad at me. Okay? But um, God dropped that in my... You know I've asked about 10 people if I should say that on a Sunday. And about eight of them said, don't do it. <laughs> but I believe it. I believe it. A person that says they don't need church, ignorance, that means you, you really don't know what you're saying. Because you really do. You really do. Um, the enemy could even put all these good things. I've even had people say, well, God's called me to this mission field, and he's called me to do this, so I'm not going to be at church because I'm doing this, this, and this. Mm -mm. You, know, you know all the temptations that the devil uses? He always uses word with it. You look at the temptation of Christ. You look at the temptation of Adam and Eve. The enemy always takes scripture and he twists it. He twists it. So, so, so there is a, the, the New Testament just said, don't give up the meeting together as some are in the habit of do. But encourage one another because Jesus is coming. We're supposed to stimulate. We're to personally challenge. The New Testament teaches that every believer is to be under the protection and nurture and teaching of the leadership of a local church. I've given two daughters away now. When you get ready to give a daughter away, Dad, my first one, I, oh gosh, that's Caitlin. I made, I, I bawled my head off at the daddy dance. I mean, it was ridiculous. It, it was the snot flying. It was embarrassing. It was like, can we erase that on our videos that we never have to look at that again? I mean, it, I, it was bad. Um, Craig and Tara, you were there. It was bad, wasn't it? <laughs> Uh, but anyway, um, this last time when I put Mo Logan's hand, when I put Logan's hand in Eric's hand, I told him what that meant before. I was her covering. I was her protection. I was her, the Bible, hey wives, you know if you're living with an unbelieving husband, the Bible says that the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the believing wife. In other words, your wife, if you got an unbelieving husband, you can throw your wings of righteousness over your husband. You can't save him, but you can keep blessing on your house, and, you, and the Holy Spirit will work with you and your conduct before him that your husband is going to be saved. I believe that with all my heart. He's going to be saved. So, so there's like a protection. There's like a covering. When I give Mo's hand to Eric, it's a transfer of that covering. And I look that man in the face and I say, she's now yours to take care of, yours to provide for. And I'll tell you what, some of the men today, sorry, some of the men today need to be men. Seriously, some of us men, we need to be men. And, and we need to provide for our families. We need to be faithful to our responsibilities and, 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 and stuff like that. But, but men need to be men. I, I really believe that. But when I, I transfer with church, guys, I take it very serious when people are members of Church on the Rock. I throw my protection of covering over you, and it's very biblical. I pray for you. I try to hear from God on sermons. I ask people through the week, should I say people that don't go to church are either arrogant or ignorant? And eight people say, don't say it, and I say it anyway. It's because I believe that pulpits need to say truth in love. I really believe that. 
I really believe that. I, I believe that church is important. And, and if, you have, if you don't go to church, this isn't to be a pounding. This is to, to open our eyes and say, hey, there's value in it. I need, and, and, and hey, whenever God deals with me with something, he don't beat me up forever. He tells me, and then he says, what do you think? I'm like, I think your way is better. I'll do that, Lord. There's no condemnation. It, it's, it's not whip you into shape and force you through making you feel shame and guilt about it. God's just trying to help us when he tells us. You know, Satan loves detached believers. He loves it. People that are unplugged from the life, the life, the life of the church body, isolated from the care of its members, and unaccountable to spiritual authority because he knows that they are defenseless and swayed and powerless from his tactics. I want to say that again because the Holy Spirit spoke that to me like word for word. Satan loves detached believers who are unplugged from the life of the church. You know, coming into the church, some people that are lethargic and, and, and you haven't felt God and things are like spinning out of control, how, how often do you get to church or small group or, or, or places where you're being encouraged and being spurred on and being helped and, and the, when you're detached from the church, you're detached from the life of the body, isolated from the love and care of people unaccountable to spiritual leaders. Satan knows that it makes you defenseless, swayed, and powerless. You know, the Bible says this, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He prowls around and he finds the isolated the one set away from the pack. And he's like, I can get that one. And he, you're, you're his meat. You're his prow. Okay? So that's what I mean. Okay, what's the purpose of the church? The purpose of the church is a place of public worship. I, I, I love the worship today. I love that we got to worship God today. And give honor to the Lord and tell him how we love him. And it's about that. And I love it when we enter into worship. Church is a place, hopefully, that the pastor gives a word that he's hearing from heaven. Because a, a pastor, the Bible says that we're to be a ministering flame of fire. That we're supposed to stand. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, said, Guys, when you guys get up there and preach, just stand and burn for Jesus, what he's told you that week. So, so hopefully, we're, we're saying something that it would be as if God's saying, Hey, I'd like to tell them this. Okay, church is a place of fellowship. Biblical fellowship, biblical fellowship is a commitment to each other in Jesus Christ. Many of us know John three sixteen. How many know that? But how do you know? How many of you know First John three sixteen? That's where Jesus said, "I laid down my life for for Jesus laid down His life for us." Now He says we ought to lay down our lives for other. God wants us to give sacrificial love to each other. The church is a place where we give and receive encouragement. Paul closed one of his letters by saying this. Dear brothers and sisters, this is the last thing I want to tell you in 2 Corinthians 13, 11. It says, be joyful. I want you to grow in maturity. I want you to encourage one another. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of peace will be with you in everything you do. 
The, the church is a place where we can uh, uh, practice and show unselfish love and be sympathetic to each other. You know, participating members in a church, they learn to care about each other and they learn to share and shoulder with each other experiences and they live life together. Anybody out there say amen. If one part of the body, 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one part suffers, we all suffer. If one part's happy, we're all happy. If one part's honored, we're all honored. We share. You can't grow. This one's real strong to me. You'll never grow to the maturity just by attending worship service as a passive spectator. Participation in the full life of a local, local church brings spiritual character and gives purpose. You know, if you get involved in ministry at Church on the Rock or get involved with people, that's a chance to where we get to learn character and we get to learn what it means to love as Christ loved. What do you mean by that? Because we're going to deal with disappointment. We're going to deal with disappointment. I'm even looking down at uh, Kendall and Janae there. Um, they, they had a uh, party yesterday that I really wanted to be at. But things forced things where I told her, man, can I come at any time? I, I wanted to be there. I, got, I get home between 4 and 4.30. It's a 45-minute drive over there. So I was disappointed in that. And she, she, you know, immature people would be disappointed and be like, ah, what's wrong, Brian? You know, some people would not show up to church that I missed that party. They're right here smiling at me. They're angry as all get out at me. But no, I'm just kidding. Man, I wanted to be at that party yesterday. I wanted to celebrate that. One year? One year of that baby. Praise God. But you know, sometimes things don't work out like you want to. So as a church body, we have to deal with disappointment. We have to see seeing someone else you esteemed make a mistake. That's hard, too. You know, people, I'm always like, don't put me on a platform because I'll fail you. Please don't think too much of me because I, will, I won't make that expectation. We're all human beings. Uh, maybe being misunderstood or your suggestion wasn't accepted. Maybe there is a chance for a disagreement. When you get living together, there's a chance for disagreement. There's a chance that there will be a different perspective or not getting our way, and we have to give one up for the team. We need to practice submission to somebody, and that's what it means to live life together in a church. You know, um, church is a place, um, I, um, I, I wanted to hit, hit this, I'm having to skip through some stuff, but over 50 times in the New Testament, listen to this, over 50 times in the New Testament, there is something, there are words called one another or each other. Are you all with me? 50 times. In other words, there's at least 50 scriptures. I would say that there's maybe right at a third of the, of the Bible that you can't even do unless you're in a local assembly. And, and what that is, is it says, and those are uh, on the one another's or each other. It's one, we're to love, we're to, to have love for each other. We're to pray for each other. We're to encourage each other. We're to admonish each other. We're to greet, teach, serve, accept, honor, prefer, bear, share, be devoted, forgive, submit to each other. Many, many more. But there's this another. Another thing I wanted to say on fellowship real quick is this. I, I felt this strong. 
is the church being the, the church and being in fellowship will keep you from backsliding. Being in a church and being connected, I can prove it with scripture, it will keep you from backsliding. If you feel backslidden, it's probably because you haven't had value on the local church and the fellowship. Here, here, here's this, it, it's, none of us are immune to temptation. Every time I think, oh, you're so holy, Brian, none of us are immune from temptation. Don't go getting too righteous, buddy, because given the right situation or satanic setup, we are all capable of a big fall. All of us are. We're capable of many sins. God knew this, and that's why he assigned us to fellowship together and to be accountable one to another. That's why he, you know know where Cain was getting into it with God or something, and he said, am I my brother's keeper? How many remember Cain saying, am I my brother's keeper? Yeah. Everybody say, yeah. yeah. We are. When you look around, look around at the people. Are you their keeper? Look around beside you. We are called to encourage each other. We are called to spur each other on. We are called to comfort one another. We are called to rejoice with one another. We are called to pray for one another. Look at all the one another's. We are a body, and we need to take full advantage of accountability. Hey, Gary, in the men's on Thursday, how many people go to men's and women's on Thursday night? Lift up your hands all over this place. Men's, if, if, if I'm telling you, go on Thursday nights. Go on Thursday nights. They, they break it up. I went down there, there's like 60 people the night I went. I mean, the men are breaking off, and the ladies are breaking off, and there's all this stuff going on. Oh, it feels good to be able to just confess your sins one to another. Hey, how many of you need to drop a load sometimes? And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking, that's terrible, you guys. Keep your minds. How many just need to drop it? I need to drop a Confession. Confession. How many knows confession helps? It helps, it helps, it relieves the soul. I, I mean, I make a point. I had a lunch with a dear brother this week. And we just share our souls. Unfiltered. Do you know how the Bible, there's even a scripture. If you've got somebody you can trust, that you can be completely unfiltered with them, and they just love you for who you are. And they know three quarters of what you're saying, you don't mean it. And all that. You know you are a very blessed person if you have that. Bill Hybel says you get three or four of them in a lifetime. Man, I am blessed to have that in my life. And we need that. Hey, guys, James 5, 19 and 20 says this. It says, my dear friends, if you know people who've wandered off from God's truth. How many know people? that have wandered off from God's truth. I'm talking about fellowship and being a part of body. We're supposed to watch. You know, it's not my, I, I set stuff up. So, so my, my prayer is that I'm not going to have to make programs for people just to take care of each other. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a program right now to where I'm going to give families to people and we're going to pray for people and we're going to, I would love it. I mean, um, 
I, I love programs and letters, but I wish we could get to be as a church where we just do it by the Spirit. Where we just do it by the Spirit. How many of you people basically sit in the same seat every week or in the same vicinity? How many of you, hey, can I challenge you that it's not the pastor's job to look around and see who's missing? Do you know how many times that I try to do that as a pastor? I'm overwhelmed with that. I can't keep everybody afloat. I, I can't keep everybody floating. I've tried. The body's supposed to care for one another. The, 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 the body's supposed to, to notice that you're not in church. Or to notice that you're sliding. See, that's what it says. It says this very clearly. It, it says, I, I, does this excite anybody besides me? This excites me. My dear friends, if you know people have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. What's those next words? Say that with some umph. Say it again. Go after them. Go after them. Go after them. Get them back. Get them back. And you will rescue precious lives from destruction and an epidemic that they're wandering away from God. Church is a place to grow in discipleship. So we said worship. We said fellowship. Discipleship. Discipleship, I'm going to keep it this simple. I, I really hope people go to that grow track. Justin, to me, you can't announce it any better. Talking about value, time. We, do you value discipleship enough to take the time to go to grow track? Here's the big one, guys, is we've got to, we don't look at volunteering to the children downstairs as you're volunteering. Look at it as you're ministering. You're raising up the next generation of children. Do you know how many children do not know Bible stories? How many children Every, I may be old-fashioned, but everybody needs to be able to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And, and, and everybody needs to know what manna is. You know, you ask high schoolers today, what's manna? Hmm, I don't know what manna is. Be guys, we've got to disciple these children. Our, our schools and our colleges are getting our kids in full and full of a bunch of junk. And if we don't have the truth in it to offset it, our kids are going to be lost. Yes. So the children's ministry. I, I, love what, 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 I love what Pastor did today, Justin, where he challenged parents. You're the primary caregivers. We're here to support. Parents, go to that meeting. We need to get a discipleship plan. We need to be on the same page. You know, God's really showing me clarity on how things are supposed to work here at The Rock. I'm over getting them in, preaching on Sunday. Everybody get on the event. 28th, invite all your friends the 28th to, to that s'mores thing. We're, invite people to that, that event where we have s'mores and hot dogs. There are so many people at that. We need that. Okay, I'm going to be into that kind of stuff. Events, Sunday mornings, stuff like that. Justin, I, I'm in bring them in. Justin's in raise them up. 
Justin knows what to do with the children's ministry. Discipleship. He knows what to do with the youth ministry. Discipleship. It is a God sin that Justin is here. He is called to raise up and set a discipleship in this church. I'm bringing him in. Justin raises him up. And every Sunday morning, we should be an army that is sent out for God. Every, every week, you are a missionary that's sent out. So we've got worship, fellowship, discipleship, and simply, the, the, the other one is finding your ministry. And guys, in finding your ministry, I've got a whole bunch of preaching on that. In finding your ministry, God has called us to discover our gifts and discover what we have to give back to him. And guys, listen. If we're, if we're the body of Christ, imagine if 80% of the body was incapable of moving. How good would this church body be? There is a rule in churches that 20% of the church does the ministry of the church and 80% of the people just sit and soak and don't contribute. Okay, That makes a paralyzed body that's not very effective. So, finding your ministry, finding your ministry is key to Church on the Rock fulfilling what God has called us to do and what God has called us to be. Everybody has a placement in the body of Christ. And, and you know, the, 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 enemy is, the, the, the enemy doesn't want you to serve and doesn't want you to participate. And he turns everything into... If you say anything about uh, resources, oh, church, all they want is my money. If you say anything about serving, oh, they want me to do something. I'm already overextended, and I can't even find my can't even find if I'm coming or going. And they want more. Come on, guys, that that is so not the way to think. Seriously, that's not the way to think. And if you think that about us, then you've judged my heart wrongly falsely because my heart isn't like that my heart is the best for this church and to fulfill what God needs and I want you to hear this we need you we need you and next week Lord willing and the creek don't rise um, I'm going to be opening up and sharing some things that I've been praying about months if I'm if the church is ready for me to start sharing some stuff because I know that as a leader, you, if you get too far out, it blows people's mind. So I just do it in progressions and steps. And that's why, um, you, know, you guys, you, you got to remember there's, an, there's a difference from being appointed and being anointed. God anoints leaders to walk and to see and to be filled with vision. But then the body's appointed to carry out the vision. And sometimes people mess it up in America and they start thinking they're the anointed instead of the appointed. So we need to be careful. And, and hey, just be what God's called you to be in the body. With every head bowed and eyes closed, when you say this, um, what's the ex expectation? Brian, you've talked about being a part of the local assembly. What's my expectation? Every head bowed and eyes closed. The first thing 
is I want you to say, I will protect the unity of my church. Right now, I want you to tell the Lord, I want to be a part of this church body. I'll protect the unity of my church. How can you do that? I'm going to act in love towards other members. I'm going to refuse to gossip. I'll follow the leaders. Man, if I have conflict with other brothers and sisters, I will reconcile it quickly. Right now, I want you to say, Lord, I will be a part of this body, and I will protect the unity of this church. I will not cause disunity. Number two is you will share. The, what does it mean? What does God expect of us as members? Number two is say this. Say, Lord, I will share in the responsibility of my church. I don't want you to say Brian's church or that church. Say my church. I Say it again. I will share in the responsibility of my church. Well, how do you do that? By inviting unchurched members to attend. You know, that's something you can do. You can, the Bible says go out in the country, urge people to come and come in so that God's house will be full. We can do that June 28th. Ask people to come to that roast. On sharing the responsibility, here's something that you can do today, every Sunday. This is a Bible scripture. Warmly welcome each other into the church just as Christ warmly welcomed you. How many say I can warmly welcome people in the church? Amen? So here's number three. I will serve. Say, Lord, I will serve the ministry of my church. My church. So today the challenge there is filling out a card and turn it in. My wife does almost all of the volunteer scheduling and say, hey, I'll serve. I'll serve. And then the last thing I want you to say this is I will support the life of my church. Well, how can I do that? By attending faithfully. When you're here, you bring life. Don't give up the habit of not being here. How can you support the life of your church? Hey, live a godly life. So when they know that you're, living, that you're a Christian or you go to church on the rock, it's not embarrassing. And the last way that you can support the life of the church is by giving up your tithe and offering. Here, here, here's a fact. Um, I had a meeting. I had a meeting uh, last week. And... Um, I said, Amanda, I want to see, I want to see our attendance records from 217, 218, and 219. Um, this time, from January till where we're at now, um, we have grown in attendance like 15 to 20 in attendance of people coming. So that's good. But what we've done, what we, what what also has happened, we've grown in attendance. But our tithe has went, whoa, it's just like took a nosedive. So we're way down. We're like behind in that. So yeah, we're growing in attendance. And here's what that is, is we are a sending church. You all can look at me if you want. We are a sending church, and we send people out all the time. 
In fact, next week, we're going to send two families out of this church. That it's, it rips my heart out, the, the two that we're going to send next week. We're going to send two families out of here. Um, there, there's another family that's dear to my heart that's going to be leaving in August. And I guarantee you they give of their time and their resource and their gifts. So what happens is, yeah, we're growing and stuff, but we're losing some of the people we're sending. We're not losing people. The people that we're sending are people that give their time, that give their talent, and that give their treasure. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to be honest with this church body. A lot of you are new in the last six months. We need you to step up and be what God's called you to be. I don't mean that in a bad way. We, we need you. and We need you to help us. God brought you for a reason. And we've got some amazing chapters ahead of us. Let's stand to our feet today. And, and that, that's a great introduction for next week. Here's the great introduction for next week. Guys, I'm seriously, I'm going to unpack what our future looks like next week. All right? You know what? I feel like we're done today. I want you to turn, hug necks, give people high fives today. And we're going to have four people up here praying. If you need prayer for anything, come forward. I believe we can be dismissed in the name of the Lord. Love on one another. Love on one another.